We're going to talk about this E. coli outbreak that has affected 11 daycare centers in the area, and uh, it's all due to E. coli. Uh, this now likely, most likely coming from a central kitchen. Uh, the E. coli outbreak was declared on September 4th. Healthcare staff uh, have been trying to, to identify and care for those that were affected and to identify the source, which we're assuming is looking likely like the central kitchen. Uh, we did hear from Adriana LaGrange, the Minister of Health, saying it's heartbreaking to see the lives of children and their families turned upside down by this outbreak. Right now, we're focusing on the issue at hand, the safety and well-being of the children affected. We all want to know more about how this happened and what can be done to ensure we prevent this from happening again. There, you, there's not a lot of tolerance when it comes to children being impacted by a, a health scare like this. So what really happened what can we possibly do about it? And what does this story suggest? Are there a lack of resources available to try to provide sanitation and care when taking care of children? We're going to get into the details and find out exactly what this outbreak has meant for these families and what we can be doing better. But I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on this wild story. You know the number, 780-496-0063. Of course, you can text in, you can call in, you can share your thoughts. But let's find out some of the details right now with our guest, who's a food microbiologist at the U of A. Uh, she's an expert in food microbiology and food safety, Dr. Lynn McMullen. Dr. McMullen, thanks for making the time. Uh, I really appreciate it. Not a problem. I'm happy to help. I wish that we were talking about something else. Um, this is shocking to me that we're dealing with a situation like this, an E. coli outbreak that's affecting daycare centers and affecting kids. What what do we know about this outbreak that we can that we can say with some clarity? Because there is an investigation going on, so it's still a lot of murky details, right? Uh, totally a lot of murky details, and until they find the food source, we won't know the exact details of how this happened. They really need to find where it came from. So let's talk a little bit about E. coli. What if, what could it possibly do or, or cause to someone? Um, the specific kind of E. coli that is involved in this outbreak is known as a sugar toxin producing E. coli. And it's the sugar toxin that is the real problem for the children. Um, it can cause, it, it gets internalized and can cause problems with red blood cells and it affects your kidneys. So it, that's why we hear about children being on dialysis. So w would this create a situation that's long term? Would this be temporary and could be treatable? What does that mean? Um, unfortunately, there's not much we can do right now. We don't have a lot of therapies that can stop um, the effects of the sugar toxin. I know that um, there's a clinician at the UFC that is trying some different therapies with the children that are affected by this outbreak. And I'm hoping that they work because typically we see 1% to 2% mortality when this happens with a group of children. So, so far, so good. No one has died. It doesn't mean that there won't be long-term consequences for the children. Um, there can be um, kidney damage, and that is a lifetime um, thing that they're going to have to deal with. We know it's that... As of today, uh, there's 264 lab-confirmed cases of E. coli connected to this outbreak. So uh, there are 25 patients that are receiving care in hospital, but 264 confirmed cases. So what does that mean for those people that aren't necessarily being treated in a hospital? What, are, what could their situation maybe look like? 
it's likely that um, they haven't, the E. coli hasn't produced enough shigatoxin to cause some internal problems. So it's it's likely that they have gastrointestinal symptoms, but not um, the effects of the shigatoxin internally. Um, because if if they did have some signs of problems with um, red blood cells or kidneys, they wouldn't let them out of the hospital. Could it develop beyond that? Or if someone is able to avoid having to go and be treated in a hospital, is that probably as far as it's going to go? Um, I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, I'm not a physician. Okay. I'm a food microbiologist. Okay. <laughs> and I, you know, the best advice if you have kids that are vomiting and have severe diarrhea, including bloody diarrhea, take them to the physician and let them deal with it. It, it's. I think it's something that I, you know, I want to. I want to get the details on because I think you know when we talk about E. coli, we do. We don't talk about it as something that we really are dealing with as a community here, and certainly not in a situation like this when we're talking about it affecting kids in daycare centers. So, I mean, this story is really. It's a shocking one. Let's talk a little bit about how this can potentially go from food to a child. So, as you mentioned, you're a food microbiologist. What types yeah. of foods are more susceptible to carrying E. coli? What can cause an E. coli outbreak? Well, there are, there are a number of places where this organism has been found. Certainly um, raw meats, especially ground raw meats or non what we call non-intact raw meats where it's in the center. So, for example, um, in a hamburger patty, you have it in the center that has to be cooked properly mm-hmm. for it to be safe. Um, you can find um, shigatoxin-producing E. coli on raw produce. So we've had outbreaks from um, leafy greens, things like spinach and romaine lettuce. We've had problems with flour, all-purpose flour containing shigatoxin-producing E. coli. Um, Sprouts have been implicated in outbreaks with the shigatoxin-producing E. coli. So there's a wide range of food products that it can be found on. The the raw meat one, I think, makes a lot of sense. If it's not cooked through, then maybe it's not safe for consumption. But when we're talking about things like produce, is it because it's just not being, it's not cleaned properly? Um, Once the organism is on raw produce, it's very difficult to get rid of it. Okay. So if you think about a leaf of romaine lettuce, because that's one of, or spinach, those are the two that we've had probably um, the most problems with when it comes to produce products. Um, you get on the surface, they can be internalized, and if they're internalized, you're not going to wash them off no matter what you do. Um, but even trying to get them off the surface of a leaf of lettuce or a piece of spinach, it means you're going to have to scrub, and that's not what we do. Um, so in the outbreaks with romaine lettuce, it it's an open kind of lettuce in a field, and that's where it's coming from. It's coming from the field. So the environment around that lettuce are outbreaks so, more common than we maybe realize? I mean, this is, an, this is an investigation that we don't necessarily have all of the details on right now. We're trying to find more out about this. But is it is it as shocking as it seems to be on the surface? Or is E. coli something we might be dealing with more frequently than or we're just talking about the news? Um, the organism is out there. 
we do a fairly good job of trying to control it in our food supply. And certainly, for example, packaged produce is washed with antimicrobials. Um, they'll use a chlorine wash in the produce in the production of packaged salads, but it doesn't mean that it won't be there. There's always that risk. Um, so it doesn't happen that often. And an outbreak like what we're seeing now is, to me, is unthinkable. And this is an absolute tragedy that I would go to as far as saying 100% preventable. Mm. Because if it, if it was a raw produce item, I would expect to see cases beyond the children in the daycare. It would be out in the broader community. Mm. So something went wrong in that kitchen. So does it suggest to you then um, just overall negligence i mean i know we have to be careful because this is a this is a, an investigation as i said we don't have all yep. of the details but what do you immediately think of when you hear of a story like this um undercooked meat undercooked ground beef mm-hmm. potentially um i i would hazard a guess that it's not likely because of cross-contamination um so the the report that was made available on the the um, violations included um, some cockroaches um, in the kitchen, which would mean that you know insects carry pathogens. But do those cockroaches have the organism of, that's caused the problem? I don't know, um, but they could. But I wouldn't expect it to be as as broad an outbreak as many children sick if it was a cross-contamination event. I would have thought it would have been more isolated. So, yeah, you're talking about the, the central kitchen and it, it, yeah. it has been now made clear that it was inspected, the facility was inspected last okay. April. Two infractions were found at that time um, and the report says that it's, they were corrected immediately uh, through some collaboration yeah. between AHS and the operator. Um, as of April of this last year, 2023, no violations existed, but it is concerning uh, that there were any infractions when we're talking about creating and... and um, making food for for kids yeah this to me this to me i I agree with you feels absolutely unthinkable i just really feel for those parents that sent their kids to this place yeah and thought that you know in good faith they were going to be well taken care of and now uh dealing with a situation like this yeah i think one of the things that we need to look at changing is how we look at food safety training in facilities like a centralized kitchen and restaurant, anybody that's handling food. Um, In my mind, and I've been absolutely passionate about this with my students, anybody handling food is responsible for food safety. The public health regulations as they stand today, one person has to be trained in food safety, and if there's less than five workers, and I don't know how many workers were in that kitchen, but if there's less than five workers, that person that's trained, that one person that's trained in food safety doesn't have to be on site. That, As the regulations me, stand now. That's where the reg, the food safety regulations stand right now in the public health regulations. So what good that does that do? change. <laughs> wow. So they might have, they might be armed with this knowledge, but they're nowhere even on site providing any uh-huh. sort of insight or, or so, help. You know, if it was... You know, this this is where the ifs come in because we don't know the food product. Sure. If it was an undercooked meat product, was the person cooking that meat recording the temperature that it was cooked to? Because they should be. They should be monitoring that temperature. 
But if they haven't been trained in food safety, are they going to do that? I don't know. So many question marks, I think, about this story and so much frustration, which is completely valid and totally fair when it comes to this. I think we should absolutely expect and demand better. Dr. McMullen, thank you so much for sharing your, your time and your insight with us today. No problem. Take care. I'm happy to do so. Thanks. Bye-bye. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone. And for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.